Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Wooded. My guest today is Enrico Dreidora from the Dreidora Winery in Emilia, Romagna. Hello. So you in Emilia or Romagna? We are in Romagna. You know, in Emilia Romagna there's this long, long history of fighting between Emilia and Romagna, north side, south side of the region. Okay, so you're on the Adriatic side. We are on the Adriatic side, south from Bologna, southeast from Bologna in the Apennines hills. So the first round in between Forlì and Predapio, in the Predapio Diocese sub appellation. Which is many people it's consider to be the best area for Sangiovese. It's the historical and best area for Sangiovese, for sure one of the historic areas in Italy for Sangiovese grapes and Sangiovese clones. Do you get annoyed when, we all think of, we always think of Sangiovese as, oh, it's the Tuscan grape, it's Chianti Classico, it's Brunello. Do you get annoyed by that? Not just you in general, to, the, the, your region as a whole, the fact that you well, almost certainly are the home of Sangiovese. I'm proud when you speak also with the old the guys, old farmer, because where Sangiovese was born, and there is a big fighting about this in Romagna, it's in Tuscany. Technically and historically, when Sangiovese really born, doesn't exist Romagna and Tuscany as a region, political region. <laughs> so Sangiovese is a grape from the central part of Italy. It, it grows in the central Apennines and go down east side and west side of Apennines. And so in Tuscany and Romagna found a very nice place to be grown. And uh, for sure, Tuscany did a great, great job, more than us probably <laughs> at the moment. But you but guys are bouncing back, aren't you, with your Sangiovese? Absolutely. They are bouncing back a lot. It's, there is a big coming back. There is a so what's, what's changing? Is it, is it the younger generation with new ideas or is it just better clones? Or? There was, uh, it was a little changing of ideas. Uh, the new generation, my father's side generation in the beginning, and new generation was much more, uh, paying much more attention on the quality, on the upper nights, pretty cultural, and not on the on vineyards in the flat side. On the and start working on the selection of the clones, uh, on the terroir, and the quality really rises up quite a lot. Now, it's not only few winery that makes good wine, but quite a lot. We are, we are probably one of the wineries that really start in the beginning with the new new age of Sangiovese Romagna, try right? to work really strictly on the clones, selection of the clones on the Sangiovese grapes. Of what about in the winery in terms of barrel aging and is there a move away from that now to let the fruit well, express itself always, a bit more? Well, you know, there was a lot, lot of fashion in the past. Once it was very fashionable to be in the barriques, so everybody was... Uh, screaming we are barrel age barrel age now there is a big fashion to be natural and so everybody's screaming to be natural i'm a little bit more uh, <laughs> i want to say different so we do what you have to do to make a good wine so, uh, barrel aging is a technique instrument to works uh, to let the wine grown up as the best uh, organic practice sustainable agriculture a smart and intelligent way to managing the vinification is uh, what uh, i think what really the consumer expect you to do to express as the best your terroir. So it's not uh, something you have to point your little pins and say, okay, now I'm barricade, now I'm organic, now I'm biodynamic, now I, I'm me. Since <laughs> more than 20 years at my side and my father earlier. So, so you took it, so you're the third generation? Technically, I'm the second because in the, the winery was in my family hands since 1923. But in the past, was run from the farmer that used to live on the state. So all my grandparents was a surgeon. Was my father was the first one that uh, broke the tradition. And he was a uh, uh, make law studies, so he was a lawyer. And he, he quit in the late 70s, beginning of 80s, to manage the family winery directly. And 
I follow him directly. So I did the strange way because I was uh, I did classical literature at the university working in the winery. So I have a classical heritage and uh, my technical came from a road school. So working in the ground, working on the, the cellar. Yeah, it's lucky you left the classical literature because you would have never got a proper job doing that. Exactly, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if you're not a doctor and a lawyer, your, your grandparents and friends had a far more sensible oh, it was, job. It was teasing me. It was, when doing classical literature because there was only good women in the university. That was okay, the job well, I was we'll involved that, in. That'll, so that'll be edited out. Exactly. Anyway. So when you say classical literature, you're talking about like Greek no, poetry? No, we did the Greek and Latin in the high school and after we go up to the, the university was contemporary history. So it was more my right of patience mainly uh, to make the study. But the main effort for me was always staying in the vineyards and the cellar working learning, a, I hope learning to make wines. <laughs> so contemporary history of, um, of the Emilia-Romagna region as a whole, how have things changed over the last 20 years? Well, it was quite a bit changing because, uh, you know, Emilia-Romagna is very well known from wine to be the stomach of Italy, the food valley of Italy, big tradition in high quality foods. So and like what, like Parmigiano, Parmigiano cheese? Parmigiano, Parmigiano cheese, Parma prosciutto, balsamic vinegar, and a lot of the squacquerone, DOP, and plus the handmade pasta. Uh, tortellini, all that kind of uh, rich food, uh, nice, well known all around the world. So you call it, famous you call it, or infamous Bolognese sauce. So you <laughs> call it the was, stomach of Italy. Exactly, so it's called the stomach of Italy. And there was a big tradition on the wines, and in the last uh, 20, 25 years, there was a big, big uh, coming back of small viticultural production of the hillsides. It really starts showing what's the real potential that the wine came from. So was that to do with the pricing? If, if wines from Emilia-Romagna were maybe not valued as highly in the market as they should have been. It was obviously cheaper for farmers to, to grow their wines on the flat ground rather than the hills. It was much more because there was a big production coming from the flat area because a very high, high yield director is always uh, mainly it's a production for uh, make uh, entry-level wines. The viticulture on the hillside was much more focused on making high-quality grapes to make high-quality wines. Have a production cost much higher, of course. The cost of the wine is higher than the normal idea of Romagna you may have, but if you look at the quality of the wines and you compare the same quality in Tuscan, for example, in Adelaide, they make Sangiovese, we are usually at the same quality point. We are around 30% less expensive than the terra. That's because we are still not well known, and so there is a little bit of a gap to cover. <laughs> so what does a man with an interesting classical literature have to do to, to promote the Dono wines? How are you going to, how do you think you will you will add value in marketing speed? Well, so the adding value is on a matter of working at the high quality as possible and doing step by step your road. Of course, you will never cover the gap we had with other wine region, but you can show the market, show the consumer the quality, the potential of our wines and our terroir and make them passionate and start uh, ordering and drink our wines and so get much more close to our production and understand our terroir. So I always say that our work is not only making wine, we're trying to translate the terroir to our wine making, wine growing, try to translate the terroir in the bottle in the glass and try to show what the potential could be. So we did some, some good things in the past and we're quite a little proud of them because we really start changing the idea of what Romagna could be. Well, apart from Sangiovese, what are the varieties you have, like, particularly also for white wine? Well, white wine, white wine because we, my family is uh, half from uh, Veneto, Venetian sites. We decided, my father decided in the beginning to invest not only in regional grape variety, in the white wines, 
but we invest making uh, Veneto grey varieties. So we have Chardonnay, we have Sauvignon Blanc, and we have uh, Rain Riesling. And we do two white wines from this, this varietal. Our uh, white uh, cru is called Il Tornese. It's a blend of Chardonnay and Riesling, 50-50, with a little bit of wood uh, fermentation. 10% of the Chardonnay is uh, barrel fermented, only a little touch. And it's a dry wine? It's a dry wine, absolutely. It's a dry wine. And another wine is a more simple white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc with a little bit of Chardonnay to add a little bit of structure and body. So our program, our idea in the white wine is much more following our Venetian heritage. So white wine is a little bit more grapes from the north, uh, northeast side of it. We don't work the classical traditional grape variety from Romania, that's Trebbiano and Albana. Our work is on Sangiovese and this uh, little work on this white grape variety from north. Did you have um, red Bordeaux grapes as well or Syrah? Yes, we have uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. Which works best? Does the Cabernet Franc give very good yeah. results? Yeah pretty different and the result very interesting uh, both of them we have a single we produce a single vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon that to be honest was the first wine that really have a big big exposure on the market in the late 80s early 90s and its name it's Magnificat the name the whole the name of our wines came from uh, the horses we had in our estates we have a horse breeding we still have we have and we still have a horse breeding and so my father in the 80s when make a revolution on the winery named all the vineyards after the horses that was there in, at the moment so Magnificat was one of the sources, and so the Cabernet Vineyard was named after the, this horse. And so uh, this wine, it's a small production, pretty interesting. It's a very strong Cabernet Sauvignon. Our terroir really makes wine with a great body, full body, great structure. And it's something that expresses our terroir through an international grape variety. That, uh, to be honest, in the 90s was really, really big idea that my father had because when you try and approach international market, many consumers doesn't have an idea what really are the classical indigenous grape variety of Italy. So having a Cabernet Sauvignon, they give a sort of a benchmark of idea and they can value your weight work and the potential of your terroir. But isn't that True. changing now? No, it's, it's changing. It's changing a lot. Luckily, they get the consciousness that uh, Italy have a great variety of indigenous grapes that really could make uh, great satisfaction on the glass to the consumer. So which local grape don't you have in your vineyard now that you are thinking of planting? Pignoletto? Pignoletto, we are out of the area of Pignoletto, so we cannot planting. We don't have the white grape variety, traditional grape. We have a little Albana. bit, uh, no, we don't have any Almana too. We have, uh, we have a little bit of Negretto Longanesi, Uva Longanesi, ah, okay. that we use in uh, one of our, our Grand Cuvée blend. That's quite interesting. It's a very strange grapes, much more of our blending grapes, one of the old traditional blend, blending grapes. Okay, tell Romania. us a little about the Uva Longanesi. Uva Longanesi is a strange grapes to, to introduce the idea of what Flubangonganesi is in Romania, like in Tuscany was Colorino, Cannaiolo, Malvasianera, indigenous grape variety to blend with Sangiovese, to add the color and structure to the Sangiovese. In Romania with Sangiovese they tend to use this Uva Longanesi, they tend to use the Malbo Gentile, they tend to use other little different grape varieties to add color and structure to the Sangiovese. That Sangiovese in the past when they were really, really was pushed the production tend to be very pinkish and lightly and so they need some blending with another indigenous grape variety. And Ubalonganese is a lot of black pepper notes, very rustic, they have a big big bunch, so it's, it gives satisfaction to the farmer when he used to 
harvesting because when you cut the sponge you have two kilos of grapes in one month. <laughs> we are not more impressed now about the kind of things but in the past it they was and it's an interesting grapes for blending we can really add a little bit of uh, a touch of particularity a little bit peppery so is it easy to pick in a blind tasting then if you know it a little bit how it is yes if not you could confuse it with a, a rustic Syrahs just to give an idea that could be the, 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 the something you can confuse with but it's uh, it's not, it's not bad. Probably I think that because I have a little bit of hurt on that. So it's something that really makes me curious to, to, to see how to add some particularity to our edition of Grey Varietal. So where do you see the winery in, say, 10 years' time, 10, 15 years' time? Do you see just indigenous varieties, 100% organic? I think because of the size of our winery at the moment, we cannot really play too many games. We try to do a to improve step by step what we are doing the best. I hope we would be able to expand a little bit the business and growing up we have some program to buy some extra vineyards and the idea in 10 years we would like to double the, the production. Really? Well, the production now, to give you an idea, it's around uh, 12,000 cases a year. We hope to be able to reach 20,000 cases a year. That was our goal. So we're still talking about a small number of family boutique winery we work completely organic, so we continue doing through this idea of managing the wine in an organic way. We did it for many, many years without any certification or the famous pins we was talked about. So it's a way to have the best grapes to work in the wine. So it's not a marketing point, it's a technical point. So that's a part of the work we are doing to have the best grapes and express us the best of terroir. The dream, of course, is right to be recognized as one of the top classical Sangiovese from Italy seats in the the group of the important winery of Italy. That's, uh, well, you're, I mean, you're a very well-known name in your region. Well known, yes, the, the, that's the, 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 what I'm happy that we was really able to, to, to build in the last 30 years a very good reputation of what we are doing. That means we are working uh, straight very well and I'm lucky that the, the, the market recognized that. And step by step, the things I really would like to see Emilia Romagna and Romagna wines get a little bit more uh, popular and fancy and the consumer. Because much more now, they are very well known in the in the area of the wine geek, the people who are very little deep in the wines. I would like to see the Romagna a little bit more appreciated in their terms to a little bit order with a little bit more uh, light uh, spirits than now in the restaurant. But it's a fascinating region considering that it has got so many internationally famous technology brands absolutely most motor racing cars and fast cars plus you've got this incredible agriculture which is a huge university Italy's center in Bologna and and you are probably the home of Sangiovese which is one of the great great varieties I think sometimes in joking I say wait I mean Romagna is the dark side of the moon of the Sangiovese because we have the other side of Apennini Hills from the famous Tuscany there is a lot of discovery it's not a a Sangiovese we have to compare with Tuscan wine it's a Sangiovese that he as his completely own um, say spirits own uh, definition in terms of uh, his own personality and it's fascinating to taste it because it's much more because of the terroir we have is much more rounder more fruity yeah, it's got a wee, full it's body yeah it's got a fantastic a nice drinkability. drinkability but drinkability is, is not something some people can tend to confuse drinkability with an easy cheap and fresh wine drinkability means that even a reserve wines that very structured is uh, nice to drink because it's very velvet and round. Our area, 
terms of the predapio DOC subappellation is a much more the expression of the tendons is more harder than other parts of Emilia Romagna. Well, that's normal, it's from a more intense terroir. Isn't more it? intense terroir and Montani. That goes very, very well when you're looking for a wine that could really lay age very long. We have a personal library of more than 6,000 bottles we produce since 1969 until now, and 89, 93 is very nice to drink about today. So it's a wine that can really age 20, 25 years. And we make a big work in store old vintages to, to taste and retaste and show people that visit us to see what's the potential. Because I always say that when, I want to say that everybody can make a good wines, but if you are a great winemaker and you work very good the vineyards, you can have great, grapes and make a great wine, but a great wine that stays in a long, long aging in the bottle is not because you're clever, it's because the terroir is a great terroir. So that's uh, the ageability of the wine. It means that terroir has the potential to be something to be looked at, not only in my wine, but also my colleague working that. And so the dream, as we talked before, is to see the Romanian and Predapio DOC subappellation considered one of the top Sangiovese you can pick from Italy. So you can choose one, you drink a Brunello, one you drink a Romanian Sangiovese with the same consciousness. That is a great terroir with a personal style. What's interesting about Predapio, I think, with the Sangiovese there, you would think that they're going to be these big wines. I mean, Brunello wines can be quite big. Yeah. Chianti may be less big, and Predapio is wines that are even less big, if you like, than Chianti yeah. Classic, but they've got the best of, of the Brunello in terms of the smoothness and slightly exotic flavours, and they've got exactly. that structure that the much Chianti Classic is. Much more still much more fruitiness in the, in the mouth. I think your time is coming, I really do. I hope so. Especially it's for Sangiovese, uh, and also for... I see in some, some interest that came out, because it's, uh, I live in the US 20 years ago, and I was working in the US market or in German. Now there is an interesting. So if we're going to go in the United States, for example, in New York, people are looking to get, look in some more different wine region, and they have more interest in like to be involved in something different. So sometimes could, I think it's, uh, I hope in the next 10 years that could be a new, a new reborn. Yeah, if not, there's always the classical literature you can go back to. If, if that doesn't work out, there's always the classical literature. Well, classical literature and philosophy helps you to take uh, the success and then success with the same uh, impact, you know. I don't get mad for one thing or for other things because I'm conscious that I'm doing the best I can do with the top of the passion I have, uh, running my little family business in a better way. And uh, I dream to be as much successful as I can do, but if I cannot reach what I'm looking I'm still conscious they did all the best and so I will not get mad at that <laughs> so you know you see what they say there is a bad news open a bottle it's a good news open a bottle so <laughs> we have wines to celebrate or to be consolate after that so Enrico Dredona philosopher and wine grower <laughs> thank you and pragmatist as well thanks very much for coming in today thank you very much talk to the Italian wine podcast and I hope to see you put it up here sometime Absolutely, wait for you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Grazie mille. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.